What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am the lead fantasy baseball analyst for Sports Ethos. And you guys can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button there. You never miss any of my shows. I always send out a link to my show on Twitter, as well as other threads and random thoughts throughout the day. Today, we're going to be looking back on the weekend. We're going to be talking about some of the bigger stories that took place and some of the bigger performances. We're also going to be looking ahead at a couple of today's starting pitchers, and we're going to focus in on a couple of two-start pitchers who I think are really worth an add today. For those of you who are in either weekly or daily changes leagues, I'd really recommend uh, picking up a couple of these pitchers. So we're going to talk about that, and we'll also go through the waiver wire and look at some of the more added and dropped players. First of all, we're going to look back on Saturday and start with a couple of the bigger performances from Saturday. And I think it makes sense to start with Randy Arozarena. He has had a bit of a slower start to the season, but he started to come into his own these last week or so. He's had a couple of multi-hit games. And on Saturday, he hit two home runs, knocking in three, while also drawing a walk. <clears throat> and he's, you know, he's someone who's going to have a ton of value rest of season. We saw it a couple of years ago in the playoffs, the kind of power that he possesses. And only four home runs to this point in the season is a little concerning, for sure, especially with two of them coming the other night. He has struggled. Uh, No doubt he has struggled, but he is someone who you could probably buy a little bit low on right now, to be honest. Someone who I'm not really worried about. He can give you 20 home runs and 20 steals. Probably going to happen this season. I'm not really concerned about that. He will have a ton of value in the middle of that raise order. So good to see him start to come into his own a little bit more with a couple home runs the other night. And then he followed it up with a couple of hits and an RBI as well the next day. So I think we're starting to see the turnaround of a Rosarena, and I'm not worried at all about his value going forward here. Uh, Justin Verlander threw six solid innings on Saturday, striking out six and giving up, uh, sorry, striking out eight and giving up six hits. He did get the victory. He's already got six wins on the season, and he's pitching to a 1.22 ERA and a 0.72 whip. Uh, not much to really be said about Verlander. He's looking like one of the front runners for the American League Cy Young unbelievably really after everything he's been through in his age uh this is the second time he's kind of come back from the dead the first time was at the end of his Detroit tenure he was traded to Houston then he ended up of course winning the Cy Young I believe 2019 he won the Cy Young and now uh it looks like he's got he's in the pole position right now anyway to do that again this year so really fantastic stuff out of Verlander I don't think anybody really could have predicted he would be this good I think some people were expecting him to have some kind of value this year but uh, this this kind of value is exceptional for someone his age with the, with the kind of wear and tear on his arm. Uh, a lot of people forget, but Verlander's been around 17 years now, 16, 17 years. That's a lot of wear and tear on the arm, plus the surgeries. It's really, really remarkable what he's been able to do. So if you drafted Verlander, there's no move to be made there. You're just holding on. You're enjoying the value. There's not really a sell high you could do there because I don't think you're going to be able to really sell much higher than what you've been getting from Verlander. I don't know that everybody else is going to be completely sold. Like, I don't know that you'll be able to trade Verlander for a Corbin Burns or a Walker Bueller or whoever. One of those elite kind of tiered names. I don't know that you'd be able to do that, but I don't think you'd even really need to because of how good Verlander's been. You take where you drafted him, which was more than likely after pick 100 or at least in that range somewhere. More than likely later, though, in a lot of drafts that I did, uh, he was falling quite, quite precipitously. So, He's not someone that you really had to reach for, and he's provided so far first-round value on the season. So great stuff out of Justin Verlander. <clears throat> no question there that he's going to be one of the better arms in the American League this year. Brandon Woodruff has really rebounded his last few times out. 
Granted, the last three starts he's had were against Washington, Miami, and then a couple against Cincinnati. Uh, and the Cincinnati ones didn't actually go as well as we would have thought. But these last couple of times out, he's done very well. And on Saturday, he went six innings, gave up five hits, just one earned run, and struck out six. He did get the victory. And, you know, the ERA is still kind of high on the year. He has had a couple of starts that really inflated it. He's got it down to 4.76. So it's not great, but he's definitely improved there. Uh He's not someone you really have to worry too much about either. I mean, I know people have worried quite a bit about him because you spent probably a second-round pick on him, and you expect a lot more than what you've gotten. But he is someone who's been a prime buy-low candidate for me for the last couple of weeks because, A, the advanced stats look very good. B, we know exactly what he's capable of. And C, the Brewers really know how to develop pitching. I'm not sure who their pitching coach is off the top of my head. But they have five legit starters in their in their rotation, and – I think four of them were, were homegrown starters there. Um, so they know what they're doing. They know how to develop pitching. Not that Woodruff needs a lot of development, really, but if there's something to be tinkered with, I trust the Brewers' pitching staff to do it. And to this point, uh, we have definitely seen an improvement over these last few starts. So I think there is still a bit of a buy-low window on him because a lot of people will just look at the overall ranking and not look at the trends. So if you look at the overall ranking, he's not ranked particularly high on the season because of the high ERA. And the reasonably high whip uh, for him at 1.29. So he's someone that there is still a bit of a buy low window on. And I would advise you guys to do that if possible. Uh, Joe Ryan had a very good start against uh, Kansas City. He went five and two thirds. Gave up five hits, one run, and struck out six. Another guy who was in that elite uh, American League pitcher conversation. And really not came out of nowhere. But I don't think we were expecting this out of Joe Ryan for sure. He's pitched to a 2.28 ERA. The whip is just a tick under one at the moment. And he has been one of the more valuable arms uh, that you could have drafted to this point of the season. So congratulations to Joe Ryan, managers. Again, there's not really a move to be made here. You're not selling high. You're not, I mean, you can try and buy on him. But at this point, I don't think managers are going to be moving him very much with how good he's been uh, relative to his draft price, relative to any draft price, really. So I'm going to be fine with uh, holding on to him, <clears throat> seeing what kind of value he can bring you throughout the season because there's not really much of a move to be made there. Let's move on to Sunday. We'll talk about some of the bigger performances. And I think we'll start with Sandy Alcantara, who threw a complete game. He gave up six hits, striking out seven uh, against Atlanta here. And Sandy Alcantara is someone who typically does not get a lot of run support, but it, he didn't really need a ton last night. He got the four runs out of his team. And that was all he needed. He did give up three, but they were unearned runs. There were a couple of errors uh, behind him. They were kicking the ball around a little bit. But it didn't matter for him. He still went the complete game. And his ERA now sits at 2.11. Haven't seen the high, high strikeouts like we may have expected. Uh, his per nine strikeout numbers are 7.39, which is a touch on the lower side, especially for someone as talented as him. You'd expect it to be a little higher. But there's no worry with Sandy Alcantara. He's, he's a... One of the more elite arms, I'd say, in the National League. And, you know, looking forward, I did this one time last week, but if you're projecting what their rotation is going to be in a couple of years, Alcantara, Jesus Lazardo, Trevor Rogers. I mean, Rogers, we're hoping he'll get it together because this year he has been a bit of a disaster. And then you got Max Meyer and Edward Cabrera waiting in the wing. So, I mean, I know the Marlins have had a bit of a tough, maybe what is it now, 10 or 15, really since they won the World Series going on 20 years ago they've had some frustrating times with the management getting rid of Miguel Cabrera and Christian Yelich and Stanton and you know who a uh, ton of other players they've gotten rid of over the years Real Mudo and Ozuna and I, I, I keep going on and on but I think you guys get the point 
not a lot of reason to be happy and optimistic if you're a Marlins fan, but <clears throat> there is definitely some optimism now between those strong arms uh, coming up in the system and those who have already debuted in the major leagues. And then you add in a couple of nice promising bats, specifically Jazz Chisholm. Uh, and you have a pretty bright outlook on the future, I'd say, as a Marlins fan. So Alcantara is definitely a huge part of that, but I think overall the outlook is pretty good for um, for Marlins fans here. Let's talk about Jose Urquidy a little bit. He's not someone I've been too big on, and he's been kind of up and down. And, you know, if you just look at his last two starts, you see exactly what I mean. He went six and two-thirds yesterday, giving up six hits and striking out 10 Texas Rangers en route to the victory, 35.7 fantasy points on Yahoo. And he was really fantastic yesterday. If you look back at his previous start at Fenway, he went five innings, gave up 12 hits, four earned runs, and only struck out one. So kind of a reversal of the strikeouts and hits. Really not someone who I'm too interested in going forward. There will be nice matchups like this against Texas where he'll be a fine stream. And, you know, I think he's an all right back end of the rotation guy. But minus the big typical strikeout numbers, I mean, I know he had 10 yesterday, but that's a huge outlier for him. As someone who's rostered him for several years in fantasy, that's not something that you're really going to have to worry about. Um, or it's, it is something that you're going to have to worry about with him. He's not going to be a big strikeout guy for you. And yeah, he is going to get some victories for you because he plays on a good team. But I don't know if that in and of itself is enough to warrant a roster spot in standard league. So in deeper leagues, maybe you could get by in a 12-team league with him, and that would be okay. Uh, but I think there are better options in most leagues. So uh, decent streaming option depending on uh, matchup. But overall, I'm not going to be too interested in Jose Urquidy. Zach Eflin had himself maybe a career night here against the Dodgers. Really not someone that you were expecting to go off. Not someone I had my radar on even a little bit yesterday. But he went seven innings, gave up four hits, two earned runs, and struck out 12 Dodgers. Uh, really fantastic stuff out of him. Again, I don't have a ton of faith in him. A lot of it's because of the defense that plays behind him, and I just don't really trust that they're going to help keep the runs down on most nights. Now, he hasn't been too bad recently, so I understand people are going to be adding him. Back-to-back starts against uh, L.A. teams, well, L.A. and San Diego, and he did well in both of them. So I'd understand you guys wanting to add him in deeper leagues. For me, Eflin is more of a streaming guy, and this was really, like, pretty close to a miracle. Seven innings, 12 strikeouts against the Dodgers. It's not something that you can expect a lot of repeat performances of, and I'm not going to be running to grab him on waivers today. There are some people running and picking him up today. I would advise caution there. I don't think this is going to be something uh, that we're going to see quite a bit of. Nate Ivaldi went six and two-thirds, gave up four hits, two earned runs, and struck out 11 Seattle Mariners. He had his second highest scoring fantasy performance of the season in terms of points leagues. Uh, he had one higher game against the Orioles where he went seven innings. But, you know, Eovaldi is someone who is definitely a valuable pitcher. And I know a lot of people were scared off in that Houston start because of the five home runs he gave up. He's not someone you have to worry about long term. He's a massive strikeout guy. The Red Sox are starting to figure it out. And there's no reason why Eovaldi shouldn't be able to give you 10 or so wins with very high strikeout numbers and pretty good ratios. So I don't need to, I'm not worried about him. If there's a manager in your league who was worried about him or is worried about him then I would go ahead and try and acquire him because I'm not too worried going forward that he's going to return some good value there. Uh, Patrick Sandoval, another good start from him. He went seven and a third, four hits, one earned run, and struck out seven. Again, uh, second highest fantasy performance of the season in terms of points leagues, and his ERA to to this point of the season is 1.79. Can't really ask for a lot more than that. 
he is a strong buy if you can buy him in any of your leagues really i would be i would be plenty okay with that uh, i don't think many people are going to be wanting to move on for him but he's definitely going to be a strong asset the rest of the season so no no problem there if you guys want to try and acquire sandoval in fact i would kind of encourage it because he's not really a name brand to this point he's had some success but i don't think people are going to be so so attached where they wouldn't move on from him He's rostered in 79% of leagues, and that should kind of show you. It's not as high as it should be. People aren't really as high on him, uh, like like I said, as they should be. He should be thought of in more of an elite context. Not that he's elite per se, but to this point of the season, he's been one of the better pitchers in the American League. So if you can acquire him for a fairly cheap price because of the relative unknown that he is, I would be all for doing that. Let's talk about some of the more impressive uh, performances from position players yesterday. And I think the best one to start with here is Manny Machado. He has been unbelievable. And I did see it on Twitter yesterday. Someone said he's entering into the realm, Machado is, of being a surefire Hall of Famer. And you look at the career numbers, it's hard to disagree. If you add maybe seven more years, six more years onto what he's already done, I think he's 29 years old. So six years is reasonable to expect for more uh, more of the same. He'll probably decline a little bit, but... You can expect pretty much more of the same from what he's done to this point. And he will fall off a bit this uh, this season for sure. But what he's done to this point is bad. 374 with eight home runs, uh, 33 runs scored, and seven steals. Yesterday he was four for four. He had three doubles and a triple. He scored three times, drove in two runs. He's been one of the best fantasy players to this point of the season, arguably the number one. Obviously, no one's going to be selling him. But... Uh, I think it bears, uh, I'm going to maybe put this question on Twitter later. Do you guys think Manny Machado is a Hall of Famer? Do you guys think that, and maybe not right this second, but do you think the way he is, his trajectory looks, do you think he'll end up in Cooperstown? At this point, I'm thinking probably not because they're very stingy. Uh, it's not like everybody who's deserving gets in. One of the biggest gripes that I have uh, being from Toronto is that Carlos Delgado never got into the Hall of Fame. And... My reasoning there, or not my reasoning, um, I say look at his numbers and tell me why he is not in the Hall of Fame. And you can't really find a way to make sense of it. And, I, I, you know, with that kind of benchmarks that Delgado had, I know they're different players, different positions, what have you, but he had 473 home runs, 1,500 RBIs. He batted 280 for his career. If Machado can do something like that, then you'd figure he'd make it in because he plays in more of a difficult position. But those are some pretty tough benchmarks. And I know I'm different players, different eras, different positions. They even hit from different sides of the plate. But I just think that there's a very high threshold for the Hall of Fame. If Machado's not able to win a championship or two, I don't know that he's going to get into the Hall. The numbers are great. The individual numbers are great. Um, but I think he's going to probably need an MVP or a World Series to get into the Hall of Fame. He has two gold gloves, five All-Stars, one silver slugger. I don't know that that's going to cut it at this point. So definitely an interesting question that I was thinking about quite a bit yesterday. I think that there's a chance he gets into the Hall of Fame. But he's going to need to have several more productive seasons before that becomes a conversation. Now, this guy is already going to the Hall of Fame. No question, um, even if he retired today, there'd be no question he'd be going to the Hall of Fame. And that is Michael Trout. Again, I don't even know what to say about this guy a lot of the time. He went three for four yesterday with a double and a home run. He drove in a couple, and he also drew a walk. 
He's batting 323 with 12 homers and 26 RBIs. The one downside from him, at least compared to a couple of years ago, is that he doesn't steal bases anymore. And the crazy part of that is he could still end up as the number one ranked fantasy player without stealing a single base. It's probably not so likely that he'll be number one, but he'll be somewhere in that top five or seven range without even needing to steal a base. And he will steal a few because he's still quick. He's just realized over the years that his main value is his bat, and he doesn't need to risk hurting his arm or leg or whatever trying to steal a base when it really really doesn't need to a lot of the time, especially with that great lineup they have around him now. So you're not going to see him steal as much, but that's about the only downside to Trout's game. He's, I'd say, the best player in baseball still, and it was funny because there was a lot of doubt heading into the season of what kind of value Mike Trout would have. A lot of people are saying he's injury-prone. He's a do-not-draft. They were likening him to Christian McCaffrey, for those of you who play fantasy football, which I thought was ridiculous at the time because McCaffrey, we've had a couple seasons in a row, lost to injury. Mike Trout, we've had one injury in his whole career, one major injury. He's had a couple of other little things, but the one injury last year, which caused him to miss the entire season, essentially, led people to believe that he was injury-prone, and I just don't think that that makes sense from one injury, and he's shown us that he completely bounced back here and he's going to be a, a first-round asset like we all, like not all of us, but I guess a lot of us really figured that he would be. So it's really great for baseball, and it's great for fantasy managers in general to see Mike Trout performing the way he has to this point. We'll talk about one more performance from yesterday, and that was Mackenzie Gore. He got the start. It was, I guess, kind of a spot start because of Mike Clevenger. Uh, they gave him an extra day of rest. Gore went six strong, giving up three hits and striking out six Giants in San Francisco. He got the victory. I said it last week on the show. I don't think it really makes sense for him to be coming out of the bullpen. He's pitched to a 2.06 ERA to this point. He's striking out just about 10 batters per nine innings. He's kept the whip down. Everything, All the numbers are good. All the traditional stats are good. And if you start to dig in, the advanced stats are just as good. They have a pitching problem there for sure. They have too many arms, not enough rotation spots because, I mean, I guess they could go with a seven-man rotation hypothetically. But I think throughout the season, we're going to see one of those guys leave the rotation and Gore go back in for good. I said it on Twitter yesterday. I expect McKenzie Gore to get 25 starts this season, and I think that he will be a valuable fantasy asset in pretty much every every kind of league going forward. So 10-team and deeper, I think that he warrants a roster spot. And he might come out of the pen a couple times before they really go back to making him a starter. But I don't think they can justify having him come out of the pen when every time he goes out there as a starter, he gives you a great performance. He's given up three earned runs one time through his, I think, five games he started, or six games he started, plus the one um, bullpen appearance earlier this week, where he was, of course, lights out still because he's just a stud. But you don't want to be putting him in that situation. I mean, I guess they'll do whatever's best for the team. And I guess this is kind of the fantasy person in me getting a little bit upset here. But there's no reason why he should be coming out of the pen. There's no reason for it. There's, I mean, you could argue six-man rotation would make sense. Uh, but I honestly feel like either Clevenger or you Darvish at some point is going to not perform and they're going to be moved to the pen. So I would expect Gore to have Definitely standard league kind of value this season. Want to talk to you guys a little bit about some starters who will be pitching twice this week, or at least who are projected to pitch twice, weather permitting, manager permitting, injury permitting. These guys will pitch twice, and you guys could see this list as of yesterday on uh, sportsethos.com. I had my first article come out for them, which is going to be a once-a-week thing. Every Sunday there will be an article recapping the fantasy week, looking ahead to some things, talking about some buy-low and sell-highs, 
And we're also going to look at pitchers who will be going twice that week. So it's something that I've already done here on the show, and I've done a little bit of it on Twitter, but now you'll have it uh, in written form on the website. So you can go find it on my Twitter. It's probably three or four tweets down uh, in my feed if you guys want to go take a look at the written form. But there's three guys who stand out to me who start twice, and there are a couple other guys, obviously, but most of them are already rostered. These three guys are widely available. They have two starts this week, and they can really help you win your matchup. So Alex Cobb is the priority one for me. His ERA sits at 5.61, and his expected ERA is 1.83, which tells me he's been getting very unlucky with some of the batting average on balls in play, different bounces, different unlucky things that have gone against him that don't really give you an accurate picture of how good he has been to this point. He is among the top five pitchers in Major League Baseball in expected batting average, expected slugging percentage, hard hit rate, and he's also got a career-high strikeout rate of 28.1%. He gets the Mets today, and this weekend he'll get the Reds in Cincinnati. For me, he's a strong priority add. I would go and add him right this second. Going forward, he's also going to be very strong rest of season, but this week with the two starts, I would absolutely be jumping on Alex Cobb. The second one, and this is probably in order of um, of priority, I'd say Jordan Montgomery is probably the second one, and it's close with him and the third guy we'll talk about in a second. But Montgomery has Baltimore tomorrow. And then on the weekend, he will get the Rays. Um, first, he'll get the Baltimore at home and then the Rays at Tropicana Field. So he's got kind of a low strikeout rate, but he's been able to be successful because he's lowered his walk rate by almost 3%. And he's got a career-best ground ball rate. Almost 50% of the time, batters are hitting the ball on the ground. It's 48.7. He gets the lowly A's tomorrow. And then he gets a Rays lineup that's about a middle-of-the-pack offense. And you've got a great two-start pitcher for you there. He's rostered in, I believe, about 53% of leagues. So he is available pretty often if you look in your waiver wires. And he's someone who, again, with the two starts, should be able to have a fantastic, uh, should should be able to have great value for you there. Tripping over my words a little bit, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Let's talk about the third guy. And a big part of his value this week for me comes from the matchups. So it's Tyler Anderson for the Dodgers. He gets the uh, Washington Nationals today. And then on the weekend, he'll get the Arizona Diamondbacks. So it's a matchup heaven kind of for him. Two poor teams, especially Arizona. You get to play them in Arizona, a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. He's been able to limit his hard contact this year, 88th percentile for average exit velocity and 92nd for average hard hit rate. Diamondbacks are, I believe, the seventh team. or They rank seventh in Major League Baseball in home runs to this point. So Anderson's ability to limit the hard contact and exit velocity will really work in his favor. That's a team that is kind of home run or bust. You take away the home runs, there's not too much they can do for you. And Anderson is very good at limiting that. So he is someone who I have added in multiple leagues. All three of these guys I have added in different leagues for this week. And I have utmost confidence that they'll be able to give you a huge boost and help you to win your weeks. So... Whether you, whether you be in Roto or head-to-head, this is specifically for a head-to-head thing, but any format, these guys should be very valuable. Let's talk about a couple of interesting pitching matchups that are going to be taking place tonight that really have caught my eye. And the first one is going to be my Toronto Blue Jays going into St. Louis to take on the Cardinals. Jose Barrios and Miles Mikolas. I have trouble saying that Mikolas is a recommendation despite his strong start to this point. And yeah, the Blue Jays' offense has not been very good. But I don't know that we're going to be trusting Mikolas here. The advanced stats are pretty good. Overall, his numbers are are pretty solid to this point in the season. 
He's limiting hard contact. He's limiting his walks. He's not striking out a ton of guys. But overall, his numbers have been very solid. I just worry about this Toronto offense breaking out, which is due to happen any day. They have not been performing very well. And I actually saw a stat yesterday that was very scary. Uh, Santiago Espinal has a higher on-base plus slugging than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for the season. They have not performed up to scratch. And that is something that will change. I don't know that I'd risk Mikolas on Monday here, uh, starting out the week with... I'm honestly not thinking it's going to be a great start for him. That's why I'm going to be sitting him where I have him. I might start him in a points league, but in a category league, for me, it's a little bit risky to start the week off with a guy like him. Yes, he is good, but the track record doesn't really back up that this is going to be a legit thing for him. So it could be, but we've always kind of seen him as a mediocre pitcher who's been fine, but never someone who's been this good. So some regression is incoming, and I think I would probably be staying away here uh, as the Blue Jays come into town. Now, Jose Barrios is a bit of an interesting one because he has really underperformed. He's on the opposite side of what we've seen from Nicholas. He's underperformed. I do expect him to turn it around here, although the advanced numbers to this point are really not kind. Uh, the expected ERA is almost at 7 for him, which is really ugly. So honestly, my advice for both of these guys tonight is to just sit him down I don't think either one of them is worth the risk on a Monday. They're both fairly solid pitchers, especially Barrios. Barrios has a seven-year track record of being a very solid pitcher. So I do expect him to turn it around at some point this season. But I don't think tonight is a great place to do it. On a Monday, you get a kind of, you know, you set the tone for your week. It's something I've said here pretty much every Monday this season, that you set the tone for your week. And if you can avoid a risky matchup on the Monday, most of the time I'm going to be doing that. So honestly, both of these guys, they could both have great outings, but for me, I'm going to be sitting them down and avoiding the risk tonight. I think that makes the most sense, despite the fact that they could both have great outings. For me, it's just not really worth the risk. That's the main one that I wanted to touch on tonight, because I think there will be a lot of people tempted to start both of these guys, and I honestly wouldn't start either of them outside of maybe some points leagues. Uh, in category leagues, I'd be very nervous. So for me, it's going to be a no. I understand if you want to start them, but you guys are listening to the show to get a little bit of advice, and that is my advice for today, that those guys are going to be sitting on the bench. So that's pretty much the only one I wanted to go over in terms of the matchups. The other one's a, a little bit more straightforward, I would say. So let's talk about some of the more added players and dropped players as well on the waiver wire uh, to this point today. So Tyler Anderson is the number one guy, and we've already talked about him. He's got the Nationals and then the Diamondbacks later. He's been very impressive to this point in the season with his hard hit rate being at 28.6, very low, and also an extremely low 3.4 walk percentage. For me, he's a priority add for this week. Marco Gonzalez has two starts as well. He'll get the Athletics tonight, and then he'll get the Astros later this week. He has not been terribly impressive this year. He's got a career-low strikeout percentage of 14.1, and he's walking a career-high 9.4% of the batters, which is not terribly high, but for him it's a lot higher than he usually is. Uh, the expected ERA is 5.34, so I'm going to be taking a pass on Gonzalez. The two starts is tempting. And maybe you take a chance on him tonight uh, versus the Athletics, but I would not start him against the Astros later in the week. I understand that two starts are almost always tempting, especially when the guys are widely available, but I don't think that he's worth the risk. Clay Holmes, uh, he's been absolutely lights out. And Aroldis Chapman, I believe it's been four straight stinkers for him on the mound. So I expect Clay Holmes to be named the closer. He's got four wins and four saves to this point in the season to go along with 
exceptional ratios. He is the top 5% in Major League Baseball in expected batting average, expected ERA, walk percentage, and barrels. Chapman is going to not have the closing role for very long. Uh, Jonathan Loisaga, I don't expect him to get a chance there. He might get the odd save, but I think Clay Holmes is going to be the guy saving games for the for one of the best teams in the Major Leagues this season. So I, he would he's a priority add for me as well. Uh, I'd go ahead and scoop him up. Ronzi Contreras. He's a fantastic prospect, and I'm actually not sure if they've announced a day that he'll be starting. I assume it would be this week, um, but I don't think that we have had uh, an announcement on what day he'll be starting. But regardless, for me, he's not someone who I'm going to be jumping and adding. He's going to be a wait-and-see kind of guy because he's been he's a very strong prospect. He's been very solid in the minor leagues. I worry a little bit because rookies tend to struggle. Uh, really regardless of position, position players and pitchers alike. They tend to struggle a bit right out of the gate. And with a guy like Contreras, yeah, he's great, but he plays for the Pirates. So he's going to need to be just about damn near perfect in order to have fantasy value pitching for that team. He's not going to win a ton of games. He's not going to get a lot of run support. I'm Honestly, at this point, I'm not going to be adding him. I'm going to see how the first couple of outings go, and then maybe we make a play. But at this point... I'm not going to be jumping on it. Rookies typically struggle. Rookies for bad teams are typically not a great recipe for success, especially when those rookies for bad teams are pitchers. So for me right now, he is a leave-it-alone, wait-and-see kind of guy. Luis Arreyes has also been added quite a bit, and he had a couple of good games these last uh, week or so. He hits for a high average, but that's about it. If you need help in your batting average or you're in an OBP league, I think he can be very valuable there. But you have to limit your expectations to a couple of home runs, a couple of steals, and that's about it, uh, along with the high batting average. One upside there is that he has eligibility at first, second, third, and in the outfield, so you can plug him in here and there. He's a good guy to have on your bench to help out here and there, plug him in a couple of times a week, and give you a bit of a batting average boost. For most leagues, I'm going to say you don't need to worry about adding him. He's a fine back-end guy in 12 to 14-team leagues, but shallower than that, I don't think that there's really much need to add him there. That is going to do it for us today, guys. I hope you guys have enjoyed the show that we've been giving you so far. This last week or so, we've tinkered with the format a little bit. Don't go over every single game because it kind of handcuffs me for time. Also want to give you guys a bit of a shorter show because I know it is a lot for an hour every single day to uh to be tuned in so we're going to be trying to give you more closer to half hour shows going forward here freeze me up a little bit freeze you guys up a little bit and i think we still cover the important points so that will wrap it up for us i'll give you the twitter handle one more time you can find me at joe orico 99 that's j-o-e-o-r-r-i-c-o 99 you can also go ahead and follow ethos fantasy bb if i am late in reposting the show one day They get sent out directly from Ethos Fantasy BB every single day. So go ahead and hit them up if I'm ever slow on the the draw one day and you guys want to listen to the show. Odds are it'll be on Ethos Fantasy BB a little bit before my account, so maybe 15 minutes or so, depending on the day. So go hit up Ethos Fantasy BB just in case I'm a little bit slow on the draw. Then you guys can go find the show there right away. Guys, I hope you all have a fantastic day, and we'll see you back here tomorrow. Cheers.